The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. ไปสะทุเฟสเตอร์ควิกทริเกอร์ดมาร์คส์แมนโฮชูส์ฟรอมเดอะฮิปแอนด์เนเวอร์มิสเซสจะลุกเกียนนี่คือบัคเบนนิ
it ran for two seasons the same as Restless Gun. They both have 70-plus episodes, and so it's neat to be able to get all those um, on television now, especially, like I say, Trackdown, because it's not available on DVD, whereas the entire uh, entirety of Gunsmoke, at least the early years, is out on DVD, and the entirety of Restless Gun is available on DVD as well, which is really nice. I have that set, too. Um, then what else was I going to talk about with that? Oh, um, also The Loner, which is Rod Serling's Western from 1965 with Lloyd Bridges. Really love that Western, and that whole thing's out on DVD now, too. Fairly cheap. It's like, I want to say you can get it for $15 or something like that. And then um, the other one that I think of probably is the Thinking Man's Western is The Westerner with John Daner uh, as a secondary role and the main role being uh, Keith, Brian Keith, uh, who later would be on The Family Affair. Just a great bunch of westerns. If you're into watching westerns and you want to get into some of these, I don't know, deeper westerns, these are great ones to get into. I like the fact that all these supposedly deeper westerns uh, are a half hour long. And I really like the half-hour length for Westerns, um, or just drama anyway for television, in that there's no time for padding or fluff or anything. You just basically get into plot and story, and this is what we have to tell, and you do it. Um, I just think it's a, an interesting format that doesn't really exist anymore. Now, if it's a drama, it's going to be an hour long. If it's a comedy, it's a half-hour. But back in the 50s and 60s, you could do a half-hour drama. Certainly there was less commercial time taken out, and that's probably a good piece of why. Anyway, enough rambling about the different uh, westerns. Let's get on to our two great westerns today, The Six Shooter and Gunsmoke. In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Listen to the NBC star Playhouse with Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. Hear Stroke of Fate and what might have happened if fate had reversed historical facts. And keep tuned for the dramatic story of Last Man Out. It's a lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC radio network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. The snow was beginning to melt by the time I reached Dawson. You could hear it dripping from the eaves, hitting the boardwalk along the main street. I'd figured on being in town a couple of days earlier, but that storm sort of threw me off schedule. Not that I had to be there any particular day, but my winter job at Dave Engelman's ranch would be waiting for me whenever I showed up. But the sooner I got to Dave's, the sooner we could start moving his herd down to lower ground. So, Oscar, oh. Oh boy. Well, I... It's almost noon, so I tied Scar to the hitching rail in front of Brick Vining's gambling hall and went hunting a place to eat. The town was sort of showing a little wear and tear. Of course, Dawson never had been a rich place, and I guess the drought last summer hadn't helped much. Folks just didn't have the money for improving the real estate, that's all. 
Except the jail. Huh. Gee, for, for a minute I couldn't believe my eyes. Well, I was all fixed up. Fresh green paint on the outside, new wooden steps leading up to the front door. Real honest-to-goodness bars in the cell windows. Well, it sure was a different jail, all right. But the face grinning out at me from behind those cast-iron bars, well, <laughs> that face hadn't changed a bit since the last time I was in Dawson. Howdy, Britt. Hello, Melt. <laughs> I heard you was coming to town. Dave Engelman said you signed up with him. Yeah, that's right. You, uh, you in for something, Melt? You... Oh, there's a little ruckus over at Brick Vining's place last night. Some folks said I started it. Uh-huh. Mm, reckon they're right. You do, huh? Mm. Uh, seems to me like you were in jail when I left Dawson a couple of years back, isn't oh. it? Uh, Was it uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Uh, could have been. Could have been. I don't remember exactly. Well, if it was a Saturday night or Sunday morning, like as not, I was here. I ain't missed being thrown in more than two Saturday nights since they first built a place. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you're living in style. I, George, this jail looks a lot fancier than it used to be. Yes, yeah. New sheriff fixed it all up. New sheriff, huh? Sure. Oh, you heard about Saul Gordon being killed, didn't you? No. No, well, what happened? Oh, well, it happened, oh, maybe a couple of months ago. And, well, come on inside and have a look around while I tell you about it. Well, I don't know about that, Mel. Maybe the new sheriff wouldn't oh, care about it. Oh, Sheriff Billy wouldn't mind. He'd like you to pay us a visit. Now, come on, come on, Britt. The front door's unlocked. Well, all right, all right. <laughs> That's some desk, ain't it? Solid mahogany. He had it shipped here, all the way from Frisco. Is that so? Mm-hmm. He paid for it out of his own pocket, too, Billy did. Town couldn't afford a desk like that. Oh, no, no. I don't suppose it could. Well, what about Saul? What, what, what happened to him? Well, like I said, it was around two months ago. The Baxter brothers had been seen heading this way from White Eagle. When Sheriff Gordon heard about it, he... Well, he got some men together and started looking for him. Mm-hmm. Young Billy hadn't been in town very long. He wasn't obliged to join the posse, but he went anyway. Billy Riddle. Uh, that's his name, Britt. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a very big posse, and when one of them Baxters shot the sheriff, well, that'd have been the end of it if Billy hadn't have took charge. Why, he managed to get off a couple of shots, and the next thing you know, both of them Baxter boys surrendered. <laughs> so when Billy came back to town... Well, nobody else was very anxious for the job of sheriff, so he seemed to be the logical man for it. You know, the way he handled the posse and you know. all. Sure, sure. Of course, sure. some of the folks thought he was a little young for the job. Well, can't be more than 22 or 23, but he's got a good, firm grip on himself. He does. Huh? Oh. oh, he ought to be showing up about now. He always turns me loose in time from a Sunday dinner. Real nice young fella. you like him. Mm, a southern boy. Oh, yeah, I don't know why he came out west exactly. Good thing for the town he did, though. Oh, howdy, Sheriff, howdy. Oh, we're just talking about you. This here is Britt, uh, Britt Ponsett. Ponsett? Oh, that's right. You've heard of him, ain't you? He's six-shooter. Oh, sure, sure. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponsett. Howdy, Sheriff. I, uh, just strolling by and Milt asked me to come inside. Oh, glad so I... you did. Well, Milt, I reckon you'd like to be on your way. Oh, I don't know, Sheriff. This jail's getting to be a darn sight more comfortable than my cabin. What with all your improvements? Well, if you want to stay... Oh, why... on second thought, I, I'd better be getting home now. Th- thanks, thanks for the hospitality anyway. <laughs> don't mention it. Uh, uh, you heading my direction, Brad? Uh, well, I'd... If I've, uh, you don't mind, Mr. Ponsett, I'd like to talk to you. Just for a couple of minutes. Sure, sure. Well, so long, then. See you next Saturday, Sheriff. Sure, sure. <laughs> Goodbye, Mel. <laughs> uh, I trust I'm not keeping you from anything, sir. No, no, no. I was just thinking about eating a little dinner, maybe, if there's a cafe open. Old Cotton serves a pretty good meal on Sunday. That's Cotton all? White, yeah. His place is right around the corner. Fine, fine. Well, I'll give that a try. You, you wouldn't care to join me, would you? We could talk while we're eating. That is, if you don't have any other plans. Oh, thanks, Mr. Ponsett. I'd like to join you. You see, I'd been hoping you'd turn up in Dawson. 
Fine, <clears throat> George, I'm... I'd sure was a nice tender pot roast, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, but oh, I ate too much, though. Oh. I, I, my belt's cutting into me like a cinch here. Wait a minute. What, uh, what was it you had in your mind, Billy? My name's Riddle, Mr. Parsons. Bill Riddle. Uh-huh, yeah, Milt told me. Uh, the name doesn't mean anything to you? No, no, not offhand. I heard a lot about you, Mr. Ponsett, since I came to Dawson. Folks say you've traveled a lot around this part of the country. Covered it all from one end to the other. Boy, I've done my share of moving about. Uh, what I wanted to know was if you ever ran into anybody else with the same last name as me. Riddle? Blake Riddle. That's the full name. Uh, relative? My father. Oh, oh. It's not a very common name. If you heard it, you'd be likely to remember it. Yes, yes. Here's your pie, Chef. But watch that plate, though. It's hot. Thanks, God. No, no, I don't think I ever heard that name before. Well, I, I wanted to be sure. Was your your father in these parts? Uh, I don't know. I know he was once. Uh, not here in Dawson, but somewhere in this territory. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard from him lately? No. No, I've never heard from him. Oh. The fact of the matter is, I, I've never even seen him. You see, he brought my mother out west here before I was born. It wasn't the kind of life she'd been used to. She was born and raised in the south. Family had a plantation. I see. In those days, the frontier must have been pretty wild. Anyway, when it came time for me to be born, she went back home. And your father didn't go with her? No. Uh-huh. Maybe they had a quarrel. Maybe he didn't like her leaving him. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. Later on, she she told me he was dead. But I found out that wasn't true. At least it wasn't true when she told me. Oh? Anyhow, Mother died last year. In her things was a letter from Dad. It had been mailed from Denver about 15 years ago. Said he was going to buy a ranch somewhere around Phoenix. He asked Mother to bring me along and meet him. From the way it was written, you could kind of tell he didn't expect her to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, some folks don't bear up very well when they're transplanted, you know. They take root in one place, and there's no point in trying to move them. Yeah. I reckon they just weren't suited. But now, well, I thought maybe if Dad was still alive, I thought maybe he and I... Tell you the truth, Mr. Ponson, I guess I'm his son, even though I never saw him. More his than Mother's. I see. And ever since I can remember, I've wanted to come west. Even before I knew about him. And I've been happy out here, too. Happier than I've ever been in my life. Of course, I didn't figure on being sheriff. That was uh, just an accident. Well, be that as it may, you're the sheriff, and Milt says you're a darn good one. So you've at least got one satisfied customer. (laughs) I'm going to try, Mr. Ponson. I'm going to try hard. I just wish that Dad... Well, if you should ever run into him, why... Sure, sure. What what the Sam Hill's that? Sounds like somebody's getting frisky. There he goes, Sheriff. Over by the mercantile. Yeah. Oh, he ain't doing no harm. He's just shooting up in the air that way. He ain't doing no good either. Looks like he's running out of lead. Yes, yes, there he goes. Into Brick Vining's place. Put the dinners on my bill, Cotton. I'll pay you for them later. Sure, Sheriff. Hold up a minute, Billy. Yeah? Hey, uh, didn't you recognize that fellow, the one's doing the shooting? What? No. Why should I? Well, his name's Ben Reed. Reed? You sure, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I thought he was in jail over at Fort Lyon. I thought the marshal arrested him last month. Well, Ben Reed's been in a lot of jails, but he always sort of manages to break out somehow, you know. He won't break out of mine. You gonna arrest him, Sheriff? He's an outlaw, ain't he? Why, sure, sure, but... He's mighty fast with a gun. At least so I hear. Ain't that right, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah, yeah, that's what folks say. Well, I guess there's only one way to find out. Sheriff Billy was young, all right. But he didn't walk young. And he didn't swagger. 
He just moved ahead like a man who knew where he was going. Of course, being a few years older wouldn't have done him any harm, especially if he was going to tangle with Ben Reed. And Well, well, there, there didn't seem to be any reason for me to miss all the excitement, so I started off in the direction of the gambling hall. If young Bill didn't know what he was doing, well, he would soon find out. Ben Reed was sitting at a poker table dealing the cards. He didn't even look up when Bill came over and stood beside him. But Ben knew somebody was there, and he knew whoever it was was wearing a star. He laid the deck of cards on the table, and he rested his left hand on his knee. As I sure hope Billy knew that Ben was left-handed. Your name's Reed. Ben Reed. You talking to me? I asked if you're Ben Reed. Yeah, I'm Reed. You broke out of jail over at Fort Lyon. Don't look like I'm still there, does it, Sonny? And you're going back. Oh. You're under arrest. I heard this town got themselves a new sheriff. Some youngster wasn't even dry behind the ears. Get on your feet. Sure. You know, most fellas your age never have a lot to live for. They'd be sort of careful who they started ordering around. But uh, maybe you're different. Maybe I am. What's your name, kid? Just for the record, I always like to know a man's name before I... Before there's any trouble. Bill Riddle. Sheriff Bill Riddle. Give me a gun, Reed. I said, give me a gun. For a couple of minutes, they stood there, not moving, staring at each other. And Ben Reed's left hand slid down his hip a couple of inches. And in spite of myself, I found my own hand going for my holster. And then Ben's fingers stopped. And I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. He unbuckled his gun belt and let it drop on the floor. Well, I guess the only person in that room who wasn't surprised was Billy. He just picked up those guns. He nodded to the door. Ben didn't even look back. He marched right out into the street and Billy behind him. Uh, it was a minute or so before it sank in just what had happened. Sheriff Billy Riddle had arrested Ben Reed without even drawing his gun. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. I've got $100, 100 genuine United States dollars, and they're yours for a mere 75. Well, friends, suppose you heard an offer like that. You'd jump at it fast, wouldn't you? Well, that's the very offer I'm making you today. I'm promising a guaranteed return of $4 for every $3 you invest. And all you do is buy United States savings bonds. So sign up today for the payroll savings plan where you work or the bond-a-month plan where you bank. You'll feel more secure tomorrow if you buy United States savings bonds today. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. About two o'clock that Sunday afternoon, the snow started coming down again. Big, real big, heavy snow. So I left Scar at the livery stable and got myself a room at Mrs. Kramer's boarding house. Yeah, I sure didn't like the idea of going out for supper, but Mrs. Kramer said that she didn't fix food on Sunday night. She, she was lead soprano in the church choir, and rain or snow, she had to be there for the evening service. There wasn't anybody else who could carry the melody. 
So I put on just about all the clothes I had with me and headed for Cotton White's Cafe. Howdy, Mr. Bonson. Oh, sure it is coming down, ain't it? Yeah. We don't yeah. usually get a big snow like this before January or That's maybe so. February. Uh-huh. It seems like the weather's changing. I wonder what's causing it. I don't know, Cotton. No, no. Well, I, I was afraid you might be closed. No, I would be, except for these lunches I'm packing. Hmm? Yeah, the sheriff caught me just as I was locking the door. Oh? The idea of leaving for Fort Lyon in a blizzard like this. Fort Lyon? That's where he says he's gone. Well, what for? He wants to turn Ben Reed over to the marshal there. He sure is in a big hurry to get rid of him for some reason. This don't make sense. Hmm. Uh, like as not, they'll never make it to Lyon, any one of them. But Billy says they're starting tonight, so... Ah, yeah. uh, well, now that does it. Oh, I'll just run these over to jail. You can pour yourself a cup of coffee, Mr. Ponson. I'll be right back. Well, why not let me take them over for you, Carter? Says I'm I'm all bundled up and everything. Oh, of course not, Mr. Ponson. No trouble, no trouble. Besides, I'd kind of like to have a talk with Bill before he leaves town. Well, if you're sure. And and don't stay open for me. I'll just get a cup of coffee for Mrs. Cramer. That's all I wanted anyway. Good night. Good night, Mr. Ponson. Thanks for bringing them over, Mr. Ponson. Good night. Hey, Billy, you, uh, you serious about striking out for Fort Lyon tonight? Yeah. Well, it looks to me like he's as safe here as he would be anywhere else. Guess he don't appreciate my company. That's right. I don't. Uh-huh. Well, you're the sheriff. Yeah. You know, Fort Lyon's a two-day ride in good weather. You know, no telling how long it'll take you to get in a storm like this. Don't worry about that. Hmm. Was something happened, Billy? I don't know what you mean. Well, I... I guess it's none of my business, whatever it is. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Mr. Ponsett, I... Oh, what's the use? Somebody will find out sooner or later... I'm not taking him to Fort Lyon. As soon as we get out of town, I'm going to turn him loose. What? And I'm not coming back to Dawson. I'm going home to Georgia, where I belong. Well, I suppose you've got your reasons. I told you. I only came out here to find my father. And I told you this was my lucky day. I found him. Of course, he wasn't quite what I expected. He's a thief, an outlaw, and a killer. You mean Reed? You knew it too, didn't you? No. No, I didn't know anything of the kind. Well, you must have guessed it then. When he let me take him without lifting a finger to stop me, you said yourself he was fast with a gun. Well, that's, I said that's what I heard. But the fact a man lets another man arrest him, well, that doesn't necessarily prove kinship. I, I got the proof right here. What? Huh? It's a mighty pretty locket. Open it up. What? Go on, open it. That's my mother's picture when she was a girl. It's copied from a picture that hangs in our parlor back home. And he was carrying it fastened to his gun belt. That's so, Reed? His name isn't Reed. It's Blake Riddle. He's loco, Ponson. Ask anybody. I'm Ben Reed. I always have been. You're a fool to lie about it. If you weren't Blake Riddle, you'd be going to prison. I've been in prison before. And because you think he's your father, you're going to turn him loose. Is that it, Billy? I don't care about him or anything that happens to him. But she loved him once. At least she must have thought she did. And afterwards, you're getting out of town, huh? I don't reckon Dawson would have much use for a sheriff who was Ben Reed's kid. Well, they wouldn't have to know. I'd know it. I'd always know it. Even if they didn't. Well, the town was mighty proud of you, Billy. Well, at least I won't be the first lawman who couldn't hang on to Ben Reed. No. No, no, that's true enough. It just seems to me you're acting on mighty flimsy evidence. It seems to me there's a lot of ways a man could get a hold of a locket like this one. 
wouldn't necessarily follow that he really belongs to him. Of course, if Reed says it's his... I ain't said that. He never asked me. I didn't have to ask. Well, what about it, Reed? Where'd you get it? I had it so long, I almost forgot. Yeah. But it it all come back to me when you was making such a fuss. (laughs) Never thought a piece of junk like that had caused so much stir. Go on. I... Uh, I found it. Oh, it must be about 15 years ago now, maybe more. I was down around Phoenix, a little town named uh, Court City. There were some other boys with me, and folks sort of got the idea we'd held up the bank, come looking for us with a posse. Well, there was a couple hours of shooting, and afterwards the posse went back without us. Those that were still alive, that is. What's all this got to do with it? Well, let him finish, Bill. Well, we we, uh, went out to look at the bodies, you know, just to make sure the fellas were dead. One of them was carrying that locket, so I... uh... Are you trying to say you killed my father? I don't know who killed him, not for certain. We was all shooting. I I suppose it could have been me. You're lying, you're lying. Why should he lie? If it's the truth, why did he keep that locket? Wasn't worth anything. Didn't have any value. Well, why'd I keep it? I, I'll tell you, kid. When when I opened it up and looked at it, I, I said to myself, now, she's pretty nice looking. So I thought seeing as how the fellow who was carrying the locket was sort of out of action, and maybe someday I might run into the woman in person having her picture, it sort of uh, give me an excuse. You to... filthy rotten. I'd kill you. I'd kill you with my bare hands. Bill, Bill, get hold of yourself. How could I ever have thought that a dirty, rotten killer would be my own... I must have been crazy, plumb crazy. You sure were. <laughs> the idea of a kid of mine turned out to be a sheriff. <laughs> it took Billy Riddle a little while to simmer down. When he finally did, he changed his mind about going to Fort Lyon. He decided to wait until the storm had died down, until he was sure of delivering the prisoner. Reed didn't say anything, not another word. Not until Bill went out back to get some wood for the pot-bellied stove. Why are you looking at me like that, Ponson? You, you didn't believe me, did you? Not entirely, Reed. No, not entirely. Why not? Well, for one thing, I... I was in Court City when you robbed that bank, and it wasn't 15 years ago. It was about four years ago. And the posse that went out after you, well, they didn't even get close to you. They came back, and all of them hadn't fired a shot. Well. And there was another, uh, I think you would call it discrepancy. What's that? I knew all those boys in that posse, and none of them was named Riddle. Well, one thing was true enough. The important thing. Oh? His father is dead. And I killed him. What? Twenty years ago, when his mother went off and left me, when she wouldn't come back, when she wouldn't even answer my letters, that's when I killed the man his father had been. I didn't think I had anything to live for. I didn't think I'd ever see Billy. I didn't think I'd ever see him as long as I lived. That's when I turned outlaw and became Ben Reed. That's uh, when I killed Blake Riddle. Hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot more of Blake Riddle here tonight than there is of Ben Reed. At least that's what it appears to me. Well, it was a couple of days before that storm let up and Sheriff Billy could take him over to the marshal at Fort Lyon. And he got him there, too. No trouble at all. Of course, a lot of folks said that afterwards Ben Reed would just break out of jail again like he always had before, but... You know, so far he hasn't even tried to. It's, uh, people just don't understand it. He, he's uh, now he, he's practically a model prisoner. <clears throat> a 
Within the next five years, millions of additional children will crowd the elementary schools. Unless we prepare for this increased enrollment, our children and our nation will suffer. If America is to provide enough teachers and enough classrooms so that our children can receive a decent education, we must take immediate steps to improve some of our local school systems. Join and work with local civic groups and school boards, actively seeking to improve educational conditions, won't you? Because better schools make better communities. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt, and the transcribed story is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were James McCallion, Ken Christie, Howard McNear, and Alan Reed. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Tonight, hear Frederick March and Florence Eldridge in the NBC Star Playhouse on the NBC Radio Network. City and in the territory on west. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It had been some time since we'd had any real trouble. Anything more than throwing a few juiced-up cowboys in jail to sober up for a few hours. And I liked it peaceful for a change. And I hoped it would stay that way. Well, that morning I'd gone to take a few catfish out of the Arkansas. When I got back to the office, I found a note from Chester. Saying he's at the Alifraganza having a beer. Hello, John. Over here, Mr. Dillon. Any luck, sir? Oh, about a dozen, Chester. We'll have them for supper. No, that'll be fine. Oh, I, I've been telling Mr. Carter here about you, Mr. Dillon. Mr. Carter? Robert P. Carter. How do you do, Marshal? Hello, how are you? Buy you a drink? Well, thank you. Yes, I believe I will. Uh, I think I'll have a beer. Bartender? A beer. Yes, Mr. Sir. Carter came in on the stage from Denver last Saturday. Oh, you live in Denver, Mr. Carter? Oh, heavens no. New York, Marshal. I've only been west a few months, investing money in gold mines and cattle and the like. Mr. Carter's very rich. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, Chester, I will be if Mother Nature holds out. His girl is coming in on the stage today, Mr. Dillon. Oh, is that so? My fiancé, Marshal. He met her in Denver, but she couldn't get ready in time to come here when he did. Ah, I see. I had to come ahead on business. Couldn't wait. We'll take the Santa Fe to St. Louis from here. They're going to be married in St. Louis, Mr. Dillon. Wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but is the stage always this late? He's worried, Mr. Dillon, with his girl on stage and all. <laughs> It'll be along, Mr. Carter. You talking about the stage? Oh, hello, Shiloh. Shiloh says he's been sitting there by himself all morning, Mr. Dillon. Since last night, Chester. You know something about the stage, Shiloh? Only that it's carrying 50000 in gold out of Leadville. So? Well, maybe that's why it's late. What do you mean, man? 
Well, if somebody wanted that gold, they'd have to stop the stage long enough to get it unloaded, wouldn't they? Bandits. He means bandits. Now, now hold it, Mr. Carter. You're already bleeding and nobody's shot you yet. Uh, what? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just take it easy. The stage will get here, all right. It's often a little uh, late. But this man says it might have been held up. Why, there may have been a shooting. Well, now, now, he's just daydreaming. That's all. Wait, wait a minute. Listen. Huh? Well, there it is now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, Mr. Carter, there was nothing to worry about. It got here all right. Yes. What is it, Jim? Got held up, Marshal. What? Lost 50,000 gold. Where'd this happen? About 20 miles back near Cottonwood Draw, but... Anybody shot? Another shot fired. He tricked you. But James! Nelson... Where's James? Driver! Where's the girl who was on this stage? What's happened to her? That's what I started to tell you, Marshal. There's a tree across the road. We got down to move it. This rider got the drop on us. He's all alone. Never mind all that. Where's the girl? He took the gold, took the girl, too. What? He took Jane? You mean to tell me you let him take Jane? Well, now, mister, there wasn't much choice. He held a shotgun on us. They're gone before we could do a thing. Oh, but this this is impossible. Now, take it easy, Mr. Carter. We'll find them. You'll find them? You were off fishing when it happened. What kind of blow is there around here, anyway? Easy, Mr. Carter. I took one of the team after, Marshal, but I couldn't get near him. He had an extra saddle horse with him. Put her on that. I see. But I don't think he planned on kidnapping that girl. The way it was, he just looked at her and told her to come along. Did you recognize him, Jim? No. No, his horses are both sorrels. By but... heaven, Marshal, you'd better get her back here at once, or I'll take this up with Washington. I'll see you disgraced. Shut up, I... Carter. Chester, go get our horses and a couple of rifles. I'll get a few more details from Jim here. Well, don't you want a posse, Mr. No, there'd be too much shooting around that girl. Now hurry, will you? Yes, sir, I'll hurry, Mr. Dillon. Mark my words. You'd better have Jane back here by nightfall, Marshal. You care to ride along, Mr. Carter? No. No, I'm I'm not equipped for that sort of thing. I'll take care of matters at this end. Yeah. All right, now, Jim, now tell me first exactly what happened. Well, we just come down into the draw about 100 yards from the creek. blood-red sun was drooping over the edge of the prairie when Chester and I reached Cottonwood Draw. We rode hard until night fell, and then we had to stop and wait for daylight. But with morning, we drew a heavy rain that washed out every track. We rode on anyway. For the next three days, we scouted a big piece of that country. But it was hopeless. Finally, we headed back to Dodge. Empty-handed. Bartender, bring me a bottle, will you? Sure, Matt. Where is she, Marshal? Is she all right? Carter, I'm... I'm sorry. What? You mean you didn't find them? Rain washed out their trail first morning. We... We never picked it up again. They could be anywhere. You came back without her. We did what we could, Carter. Now we'll just have to wait for word of some kind. You'll be seen sooner or later. Wait. Well, I won't wait. This will cost you your job, Marshal. I promise you that. Look, Carter, if it'd make you feel better, why don't you ride out yourself? It isn't my job to keep the law around here, Marshal. It's yours. Yeah. Hm. Say, Marshal. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, what is it, Shiloh? Big Kate wanted to see you when you got back, asked me to tell you. Big Kate? Oh, all right, thank you. How'd you know, Kate? I can tell by looking at you. It's thousands and thousands of miles, that prairie. It'd been just luck if we'd found them. Nobody's blaming you, Matt. No? Carter is. And I suppose it's hard on him. His fiancée and all that. Carter's no good, Matt. Well, I never liked him, but I suppose that doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why he's no good. You know something, Kate? Mm. Carter's been drunk a lot while you were out. 
He was bragging to one of the girls last night. Bragging? What, about what? Not much, to my way of thinking. Well, go on. Well, to make it short, seems Jane's father got into a big deal with Carter up in Denver. Yeah. Carter got him tied up good and then threatened to ruin him. Well, so what happened? He didn't ruin him. He took Jane instead. Yeah. Well, maybe she likes him. <laughs> you don't know much about women, do you, Matt? You think a boughten bride is likely to be in love with the man? So that's what I have to bring her back to. Well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what can I do, Kate? You just have to wait. See what turns up. I waited. I waited a week. Carter was drunk the whole time, telling everybody how he was going to fix me good. I'm not doing much about it, except stay out of my way. And things were fairly quiet. Chester and I spent most of our time in the office. Well, he sure fooled me, Mr. Dillon. Oh, Carter? Yes, sir. He seemed like such a nice fella. And so rich. He's rich, all right. But poor in spirit. <laughs> You've been going to church again, Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon, last Sunday. Oh, last Sunday. Uh, didn't it uh, rain last Sunday? Oh, I like church, Mr. Dillon. But I sure do hate to get all dressed up. <laughs> You the marshal? Yeah, I am. Here you've been looking for a man and a woman. You know anything, mister? My name's Chad Brown. Just rode in from Satana. Yeah? There was a man and a woman about 80 miles back on the trail. What color horses were they on? Well, as soon as they saw me, they rode off, so I didn't get very close. But both horses were the same color. I guess maybe so. Yeah. Are you willing to ride back with me, Mr. Brown? I don't know, Marshal. I've got an awful thirst. That woman's out there against her will. I'll go. I'll get our horses. Uh, no, 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 Chester. Uh, be better if you wait here this time. We'll be back in a few days. With luck. Let's go, Mr. Brown. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, Frank Fontaine now brings you comedy with four members of the Frank Fontaine family, guest stars, and a delightful cast of entertainers. Sunday nights on CBS Radio. Listen in for the Frank Fontaine Show tomorrow night. It's refreshing summer listening. So, just for fun, try the Frank Fontaine Show tomorrow night on CBS Radio. Now, the second act. Of gun smoke. Chad Brown and I covered the 80 miles in a day and a half. The outlaws' trail headed south for a few miles and then turned northeast back in the general direction of Dodge. It was hot and still. On the horizon, there were occasional flashes of heat lightning. And then in the distance, we saw the long, low cloud of yellow dust that spelled cattle. A Texas herd trailing north. The kidnappers' tracks led straight into it, and an hour later, we pulled up not far from the swing of the herd. A line of longhorns stretched for several miles across our trail. We watched him, looking for a lag to ride through. All of a sudden, a rider came hallooing down on us. Hold up! Hold up there! Oh, Hold! Hold on, hold! You ain't aiming to cross that herd, are you? Have you seen anything of a man and a woman around here, mister? Was they mounted? Yeah, a couple of sorrels. It don't matter. I ain't seen nothing but cattle and cowboys for six weeks. Besides, these cattle are plenty uneasy. They've been dry since yesterday morning. 
And that heat lightning ain't soothing to him. This herd's crossed the trail of an outlaw and a kidnapped woman, mister. That's so. Well, you just have to wait. You can ride around a drog back there, but you can't cut through this herd, mister. Look, I'm a U.S. Marshal out of Dodge, and I haven't got any time to waste. You think we well, can... Well, I possibly... sure appreciate your problem, Marshal, but I can't help you. I'm trail boss of this outfit, and I got 3,000 head of cattle here worth maybe $20 a head at Dodge. They're too nervy now, and I sure can't chance your touching them off by riding through there. I guess he's right, Marshal. It'd be pretty risky from the look of them. They're moving too fast now. Yeah, I know. Just that I hate to lose the time. You got more time than I got cattle, Marshal. Well, I don't know about that. But I won't tempt the stampede, mister. We'll ride around the drag. We'll see you in Dodge. The Alifraganza still running? Yeah, it is. Mostly on Texas money. Adios. We rode down along the herd and back up the other side about a four-mile detour. But we picked up the trail again and followed it till dark. Next morning, we found the outlaw still headed straight for Dodge and... All we could figure was that he must be new to the country and just plain lost. Naturally, he'd want to avoid asking questions of anybody. By noon, we were inside of town, and during the last hour, neither Brown nor I said a word. Finally, we rode up Front Street and got down at the jail. Got him, Mr. Dillon. They rode right in here early this morning. Gave himself up, huh? Yes, sir. I got the man locked up in back, and the money is over at the bank. Oh, good. How's the girl, Chester? Oh, she's fine. A little tired, but fine. Yeah. Well, what's his story? Who is he? He calls himself Scott Cooley, but he won't say anything more at all, Mr. Dillon. I, I just gave up on him. I thought I'd better wait for you. Yeah, all right. I'll talk to him first, and then I want to see the girl. Where is she? I didn't like it, Mr. Dillon, but I didn't see what I could rightly do about it. What do you mean? What happened? Well, she sure didn't want to go with him. But that Mr. Carter came here and just the same as dragged her off. She went finally, but I sure don't like it. Well, they didn't leave Dodge, did they? Oh, no, sir. There's no train till tomorrow. They're at the hotel. Oh, all right. I'll go over there later, Chester. Yeah, so you're Scott Cooley, huh? You're new around here, aren't you? Well, anyways, I never saw you before, Marshal. Well, I've tried hard enough to meet up with you, Cooley. You're in trouble, you know, bad trouble. Marshal, you've got anything to say, just say it right out. I got nothing to say. I'm just curious why you rode into Dodge, that's all. What do you care? I'm here. You got the money back and... Uh... And what? Oh, leave me alone, Marshal. Just let me alone. You gotta talk sometime. Now listen, Marshal. I'm ready to serve my time. That's why I gave myself up. But talk, no. I don't have to talk. Not for you. Not for anybody else. Mm-hmm. All right, Cooley, have it your way. Marshal. Yeah. Marshal, you you're going to See, Jane? Yeah. Why? Well, what are you going to see her about? Find out what happened? Yeah. Marshal, I don't suppose you'd let me out of here just long enough to kill Carter. Now, you mean the girl told you about it? I wouldn't care if I hanged for it. It'd be worth it to kill him. Mm-hmm. Tell me something... What makes you think what you did's any better? What? You wouldn't understand, Marshal. But you... uh, You do what you can for her, will you? Anything else you want to tell me? No. That's all.
is it? Matt Dillon. What do you want? Open the door, Carter. I want to talk to the girl. Some other time, Mark. You want me to kick the door open? <laughs> You're asking for trouble, Carter. Uh, how do you do, miss? I'm Marshal Dillon. How do you do, Marshal? I, uh, I know you've been through a lot, miss, but I have to get the whole story from you so as I can file the proper charges against this outlaw, Scott Cooley. You want to use me to put him in prison? Is that it? Well, he's committed two crimes, robbery and kidnapping. We'll want him up for both. Well, doesn't the fact that he gave himself up and, and returned the money help at all? I, I'm afraid I don't gather your drift. Then let it go at that, Marshal. We're leaving Dodge on the next train. So Jane won't be here to testify anyway. No? Is that what you have in mind, Jane? Oh, no. I mean, I don't know. Oh, please. She's upset enough. Marsha, leave her alone. If I want anything out of you, Carter, I'll knock it out. Now, shut up. You can't talk to me like that. Wait. Marshal, I'll, I'll tell you all about it, but first... Yeah? Well, not in front of him. Make him go out, and then I'll tell you. All right, Carter. Outside. Don't you order me around. This is my room. And... I'll throw you. If I open the door and find you around, I'll throw you all the way downstairs. Now get it. All right, now. Jane, you can talk. Can I trust you, Marshal? Really trust you? Well, that's up to you. But I'll tell you this. I know about Carter. About you and Carter, that is. Then you... You know how I hate him. Yeah? But right now I'm curious about this kidnapping. What happened? Why did Cooley give himself up? Because we decided we... We couldn't live being hunted down the rest of our lives. Ah. So you were in on it with him, huh? No, Marshal. The first time I ever saw Scott Cooley was when he held up the stage. I'd like to believe that. Very simple, Marshal. I love Scott Cooley. What? I love him. Oh, now look, Jane. Girls like you just don't go around falling in love with outlaws. Don't they, Marshal? No, they don't. I did. Then either you're crazy or you're lying to me. And if you weren't a woman, I'd throw you in jail right along with him. I'm a woman, Marshal, but I've no objection to going to jail with Scott. Oh, then you admit you're his accomplice. No. I suppose it's hard for you to understand, Marshal. It is. Well, I'll try to make it simple. You see, Scott doesn't know why he took me with him when he held up the stage. He's never done anything like that before. It just seemed perfectly natural to him. He saw something he wanted and he took it. That's all. I'm afraid the court will look at it somewhat differently. Well, I, I suppose he'll go to prison for the holdup, but, but not for kidnapping. Why not? Because I'll testify that I went with him of my own free will. I almost wish you two hadn't ridden back to Dodge. Marshal. Yeah. You said you know about Bob Carter and me. Yeah. Well, Scott's been wild and, and he's done wrong, but but he's never done anything really evil. Well, maybe you're better off with cooling. If he straightens out. You know I am. Don't you, Marshal? It's no business of mine. I, I'm a peace officer and not a matchmaker. My job's to keep Cooley under arrest and get him up for trial, and that's all. Now, what you do is your own business. You can testify any way you like. I, I can't stop that. Oh, please. Marshal, help me. There's no one else who can. Yeah, who is it? It's Carter. Open this door. Huh. Well, gentlemen, there are four of us here, Marshal. We figure you've talked to Jane long enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have, Mr. Carter. You're leaving. Yeah. Yeah, we're leaving. Are you ready, Jane? Oh, thank you, Marshal. Yes, 
I'm ready. Jane isn't going with you. I've just put her under arrest. Under arrest? I arrest anybody I think needs arresting, Mr. Carter, and I'm not in the habit of explaining why. There's a law about that, You're Marshal. You're on dodge, Mr. Carter. Come along, Jane. You can't do this, Dylan. We won't stand for it. Ah, you're a fool, Carter. I know these three bums you got with you, and they don't want to draw on me any more than you do. You fed them some liquor and promised them more. For that, they'll do anything, anything but face me in a gunfight. Am I right, boys? Huh? Well, I take it I am. All right, now get out of my way. Huh? You go first, Jane. You stay here, Jane. Take your hands off her, Just step over him, Jane. Mr. Dillon, I don't like to say anything. Well, then don't, Chester. But I can't help it, Mr. Dillon. This is the first time you've ever jailed a woman, and I just don't like it. <laughs> Good. What? I don't like it either, Chester. What's this all about, Mr. Dillon? Chester, Jane, and Cooley are in love. My. <laughs> don't look so dewy-eyed about it. Cooley's got to stand trial yet, you know. I want no part of this, Marshal. Now what, Shiloh? I never did like that, Carter. Well, what's he up to? Oh, sir, he's drunk and he's buying liquor for everyone. He's making a lot of talk. There's about 20 men with him now. Where? Texas Trail. Nobody likes it about this girl. Looks like they'll come over here and try to bust her out of jail. Uh, Chester. Yes, sir? Those horses still out back. Yes, sir, I was going to put them away later. No, leave them, leave them. Uh... Now, will you get over to the Texas Trail and stall those men for a while? Huh? All right, Mr. Dillon. Come on, Shiloh. Not me. I'm going to bed. I got two drunk last night. Got the worst head on. Cooley? Yeah? Come on up. What is this, Just Martin? hurry it up, will you? Let's go, Jane. Oh, no, no. Stay where you are, Jane. I don't You'll do like what this. I tell you, Cooley. It's all right, Scott. We can trust him. Yeah, but I don't know what he's Scott. got. Scott. Well. All right, Jane, if you say so. All right, now I'll back. Yeah, that way. Now, come on, let's move. All right, you take the gray horse, Jane. He's gentle enough. But hurry, will you? Sir. Going, Marshal? We're going to Hayes City. Cooley's going to stand trial there. Yeah. They got the money back, Scott. They can't do much to you. I know. But there's that, that kidnapping, too. I won't testify. That's all. Jane, you're going to have to testify. You'll be in contempt of court if you refuse. Then I'll lie. Anyway, I did go of my own free will. After a while, anyway. That's perjury. But you don't have to do that either. There's an easier way. How? Well, before I deposit Cooley in the Hayes City Jail, we might just make a little stop. What do you mean, Marshal? Stop where? We, uh, we're going to stop at the preacher's. You know, a married woman can't testify against her husband. God. God. <laughs> Come on, honey, let's ride. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were John Stevenson, Larry Dobkin, and Patricia Walter, with Mary Lansing, Herb Ellis, Jonathan Hole, Jim Nusser, and Frank Gerstle. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week. 
as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Tomorrow, a new feature is added to CBS Radio's On a Sunday Afternoon program when Eddie Gallagher introduces the Main Street Music Hall with handsome Bob Carroll and pretty Eugenie Baird as your singing stars. On a Sunday afternoon, as heard in most of these same CBS radio stations, this is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, daytime is a gay time with Arthur Godfrey on the CBS radio network. <laughs>